Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty After Dark. I am joined by our resident night owl, Ollie Glanville, to break down Chelsea's return to winning ways against Brighton this Wednesday night. We are recording straight after the match, so it's all unfiltered hot takes, apart from they might be lukewarm. Not because we went to the game in person, it's far too cold for that, but because the second half was quite dull. As Karen Carney said, it is a result. Ollie, how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a game. We definitely watched it. Uh, it definitely <laughs> happened, and we definitely won. So I'm I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> the table says what the table says after that after that game. I know you were concerned that there'd been some kind of Freaky Friday situation going on with the men's team getting two mm. great results. Um, obviously the London's blue guys brought the luck, but not for the Conti Cup final. But just as they've flown out of the UK. The form of the women's team seems to have come come back. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not laying blame at any tables, but uh, I'm not not saying it. So. <laughs> we're not here. We're not here to point fingers, but we're just telling you guys the facts. You know, these are the facts. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is this is a bit of a weird one, really. Obviously, it was a game where. Chelsea were going to be expected to win. I think it was going to be always going to be interesting to see how the team reacted after the Conti Cup final. And I think early on in the match, we did get some kind of reaction. But I think the nature of having United at the weekend, rotating a lot, meant that it was kind of understandable that this game went pretty flat after about 30 minutes, right? Definitely. And um, I think <laughs> it's a bit of a luxury just in itself that we, we we can rest key players, you know, in terms of Millie and Sam that we just haven't been able to before right it's um especially sam it's like <laughs> at this stage she must be so far in the red zone and you just have to kind of hope that she can keep getting through it until someone gets back to help her out up front um but yeah it was do you know what it was exactly as good as it needed to be <laughs> yeah and you know i think the first half performance made everyone feel comfortable enough maybe to switch off in a bit in the second half um you actually have segued really nicely into the three-word match review because mine was going to be well is I'm not going to change it is rest for Sam because all I cared about in this match was that she needs to come off and it is interesting and I want I want us to talk a bit more about rotations as we get into the episode because you know I do think at the very top of, of football on the men's side at least we expect players to be able to play two matches a week and I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation but I think we also recognize it doesn't necessarily bring out the best in players so I was just really ready I think from a performance tonight we could see like this I just didn't want to see her play 90 minutes and and thankfully we didn't um Ollie what is your three-year match for you it is in our hands because as with most league titles in the last few years it is in our hands if we win our game in hand we go top so simple as that <laughs> yeah and a, a great opportunity on on Sunday to just push that even further um I think we've I think we've been very lucky to have had this Brighton game in between. I don't think that means necessarily that we win on Sunday, but I feel a lot more relaxed that everyone got a little bit of a run around, that we got a win, that you know, Brighton playing Brighton is over for another year. That's good too. 
<laughs> and now we can we can roll into to Sunday. Um, but yeah, I, I just picked out uh two quickly from Twitter because um obviously we've recorded straight away, so you guys are filtering in with your replies to the tweet now, I think. But um I like this one from Neom, job done next, yes please, and Meg going with coming for United, looking ahead to that massive, massive game on Sunday. Um, obviously, yeah, we're talking about the game against Brighton that took place on Wednesday, the 8th of March in the WSL at Kings Meadow. 3-1 win for Chelsea in the end. Uh, penalty from Guru Wrighton probably shouldn't have been uh, a penalty, not because there wasn't a foul, but because Sam Kerr was definitely offside. That was in the 12th minute. I mean, it was a deserved lead. Jess Carter with the second in the 21st minute. Johanna Rutten-Canerad getting her first Chelsea goal in the 71st minute. Whoop, whoop. And Dan Carter getting a one back for Brighton because Dan Carter loves to score against us in the 88th minute. And Ollie, why are we so obsessed with 3-1 scorelines? This is like our seventh of the season. I don't know. It's just what we do. I, I just like... Even when we lose games, we have to lose them 3-1. So <laughs> You've got to get one back or we have to let, we have to let people get one back. Like... I feel like the balance was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it, exactly. When, the, when Daniel scored, it was like, Okay, now we're good. Now we're good. The the final whistle can come. This is WSL vibes. Um, yeah, let's let's talk a bit about the teams here because I was really really intrigued. Um, one of my friends asked me ahead of the game, you know, what what do you think the lineup's going to be? And I was like, I've got no idea because I could see Emma going one of two ways. One, you mix it all up. You do it as a kick up the ass. You do it because you want to rest people before United, or you say, no, I believe in you. Carry on playing the way you're playing, like it was just a, an off day, blah, blah. She kind of did a bit of both, right? So we had Musevich coming back into goal. Mielder, Buchanan, Bright and Carter as a back four. Melly Leupoldt making her first start since December 2021. Really amazing. A year to, I think just a year to the day uh, from when she announced she was pregnant as well. So really, really awesome to see that. Um, she was paired with Jess Fleming and Yelena Kankovic in midfield. Johanna Rissing Canarade, Guru Wrighton, and Sam Kerr up front. Ollie, what did you what did you make of the lineup? Yeah, it was, um when it first came out, it was a bit of a mixed bag, right? It was um a lot of people who are looking to stake their claim uh and probably have deserved more chances. But you're looking at people like Jess Carter, especially. But it's like, yeah, it, it, you were you were sort of hoping that those who came in would bring this kind of new imbued energy. And just take us through to a win, which is exactly what we needed in terms of the changes. And also seeing some lovely subs off the bench, like Amy Claypole, who I'm sure will come to. <laughs> yeah, um, but thankfully subs off the bench, which is what we wanted to see. We had Sophie Ingle coming on, Neve Charles, Alsu Abdelina and Amy Claypole. So, you know, with all the classics there, an Academy product and at the lesser spotted Alsu. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll chat a bit about them, I think, as, as we get into the show um stats I mean it's kind of surprising because for all of that I felt like Chelsea really dominated especially the first half um 14 shots to Brighton seven but both teams had four shots on target um Chelsea though with 73 percent possession to Brighton's 27 percent um 653 passes to their 245 uh I just want to go oh yeah five Chelsea offsides and 15 Chelsea corners uh do you think of some of these like possession and corner stats we should be a bit like why did we not manage to make more of this game oh 100 percent. I mean uh Jess Carter scored um but it's like well 
<laughs> that there was there was a corner in the in the first half, one of seven in the first twenty one minutes, oh which God. was kind of mad corner every three minutes, um, where she ran at the back post and she didn't kind of realize how much time she had and just caressed it past the post, and everyone was like. I'm sure that went in. <laughs> there was literally in this game about three separate occasions where I cheered only for the goal to be ruled out or the ball not to have gone in the back. Like I was so certain the ball had gone in the back of the net for that one and for Sam's one from Guru's pass later on. So I, we had some ghost goals tonight, basically. Like they were, I mean, to use a, I guess, a stadio. <laughs> a stadio bastardization like spiritual goals they were they weren't spiritually onside necessarily because they didn't go in the back of the net but they spiritually crossed the line for me (laughs) yeah i mean we absolutely should have should have walked the first half like completely but it's irony of ironies of course that in those five offsides the one that was probably the most offside that for Sam <laughs> was the one where she, okay, didn't interfere with play, but where we got the actual penalty from. And some of the other offsides, she wasn't offside. So, you know, take it or leave it. <laughs> Sometimes I think they should replace um, linos in the WSL with just someone flipping a coin as to whether you're offside or onside, because it seems to have no bearing on reality. But we're going to take a quick ad break here. Thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit more detail about the game. So at half time, Ollie, I sat down and I thought about topics for the show because I knew we had to get straight into recording this. And what I wrote down was confidence booster. 45 minutes later, I was like, I don't know if that's so true. But definitely that first half, I was like, this is a great response. Because there were players like Chankovic, who I thought could easily have felt shit after being substituted in the first half of the Conti Cup final. There were players like Panarid, Mieldo, who we haven't seen that much, but but were really showing a really high level. And it was like, this is great. This is a great way to get going again. Absolutely. And um, I'm sure we'll come on to it. But uh, Jess and Marin were really, really good in that first 25, 30 minutes. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to them later. But obviously, Yelena was was my standout, just in terms of she was just trying things that were, were awesome. It was like a throwback to, you know, the kind of best days of G, where you just kind of, wonder what she's going to conjure for you or you know the best like Frank Kirby type situation where she's around the box and you're just like this is great just do whatever you want to do um but yeah it did, didn't quite work out for her at times today but she was really stand out today um in terms of other players I thought we just all stepped up today it was clear that Sam was tired again but you know we'll come on to it she laid on that assist when she absolutely could have scored herself and you know, could have been greedy as strikers um, will will be. But yeah, it's just such a lovely moment for JRK as well. And in her celebration, <laughs> she used some blue language and showed how rude <laughs> she was. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was really lovely moment that. Yeah, I, I definitely think um, without the context of the Conti Cup final, this game would have just felt like tick box, tick box, tick box. I think it's very easy to to put it solely under the light of that match and and expect more than needed to be expected for it but like realistically if we had either won or the game had been another day to come away from this match I think to say 
Kanner had got our first goal. We saw Trankovic playing, you know, just taking another step forward. Um, okay, you know, we saw maybe Sam missing a couple of opportunities, blah, blah, blah. But broadly, I feel like if we ignore the fact that the game kind of fizzled out, there were probably more positives than like negatives to take from it. Oh, 100%. And if you if you put another team in this position, like losing badly and not playing like yourselves in a cup final, you know, we take for granted cup finals as, as Chelsea women. You know, we just say we're going to be in every cup final because we feel like we're that good and we usually are, right? But going out in that way or losing the final in that way, we took for granted that we'd come back and play like this and put in a professional performance and score against the last team that beat us at home, you know, win that game because they are, they are still the last team that beat us at Kings Meadow. And I hope it stays that way <laughs> because we're not playing them again this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, actually writing a United preview that I think is going to come out on Friday, um, where I was like writing that Bryson were the last team to beat us at home. And I was highlighting like sections that I knew I was going to have to like fact check, obviously, based on the game tonight. And I was like, well, I guess if it all goes to tonight, <laughs> then it will still be true. <laughs> so that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, uh, first goal, let's just quickly go through that. I mean, uh, Sam Kerr's definitely offside for this one. She doesn't interfere with play, but like no one touches. It's like a weird one where I can kind of see how the lino fucks it up because the ball comes through a lot of players and a lot of players go for it and it doesn't actually really touch any of them. And it's almost like if it touched any of them, it would have been a new phase of play and then she would have been onside. But because that didn't happen, it, it was from the original pass where... It shouldn't matter, but it was definitely a foul. And, you know, sometimes stuff doesn't go away. So I feel like, again, things even out overall, right? You know, like this is us cashing in a chip from somewhere else. Absolutely. I, I think actually Jess Carter's high jump kick made the goal because the lino was so kind of preoccupied seeing if Jess had touched it or not on the way through that um, she didn't actually see what was... It almost looked like a handball anyway from the defender um, before she took down Sam. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. And Guru taking it, which was which is interesting, right? Because we had Marimielda and Melanie Loipot on the pitch. Yeah. And I, I don't know when the last time we had those, those two on the pitch was, but it would have been a while, a, a very, very long time. That's one for Harry Edwards, I'm sure. Um, but, you know... They would have been number one and two penalty takers a season, two seasons ago. And and Guru stepped up again. And it was a great penalty. Uh, you were comparing it to Kai in a positive sense because there was no stuttering here. This was just like smash it in the corner. Yeah, it was all business. Uh, the keeper guessed the right way and, and it was in before she got down. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It kind of shows Guru's evolution because... I feel like Marin would have pulled rank in previous seasons, but Guru is at a stage in her Chelsea career now where she is one of our prime players. She just is. She's like unarguably one of our best players. So when she takes the ball, you're not going to take it off her, even if you've not scored an open play goal or not scored a penalty in however long. 
you just let her take it and she conducts business and she scores goals yeah and you know actually like obviously we've touched on how important it was for Sam to come off but Guru is another player who has played a hell of a lot of minutes plays a lot of minutes for her national team too I think we talk about Sam because on international breaks we see her going to Australia it's a very obviously tiring journey that she takes but part of what was as important today was that that Guru came off as well right um after 70 minutes yeah definitely I mean Guru puts in such a shift for the team as well like we associate obviously her with her assists and her beautiful crosses from the left hand side and spinning her player and you know going past them with ease but also she puts in a real shift every game and I think that kind of defensive side of her game isn't shone light on enough she doesn't get enough credit for that. So I think that's also part of it. And also, you know, Millie going off as well. Mm. She's such a towering presence for us. And just giving her any kind of rest you can is such a luxury because she's such a world-class defender. And just making sure that everyone is ready for Leon is going to be such a key thing as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just great to be able to take take players off and, and feel like we were in a position to to do that. But um, I want to talk about Trankovic here because, you know, you said that, that she would have been your player of the match. I think I think she would have been mine as well. As, as we said, you know, Sunday could have been a really disappointing day for her. I think it was a really poor decision on... Emma's part, albeit I do kind of understand why she felt she had to change something at that point. I just thought it was a a poor choice of a player. But for me, this was one of Chankovic's most exciting performances because the kind of one-two she was playing and her desire to break through centrally is something that I feel like we've really really lacked and and you mentioned Jisoo Yun and and she's obviously a player who I think you know off, offered that something different and we are sorely missing Panila and Fran and we all know that but to see Yelena become more confident and build those relationships with players especially with Sam is so so key for the rest of our season yeah absolutely I mean it's even things like wanting to take on her marker and shoot from like 25 yards just because she can it's it's trying those things knowing that emma's gonna scream at her or take her off after 60 minutes or half time or whatever but having the confidence to play with you know short sleeves and gloves like fran does you know having that, <laughs> having that... we demand one thing from our number 10s and it's short <laughs> sleeves and gloves <laughs> I'm sure it's in the contract somewhere. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things that is just, you know, we we were shouting about it in the first half um, and it would have been such a beautiful goal, but she essentially tried almost like an elastico chip from like the edge of the box. Instead of like going for the far post, she kind of went to go far post and put it near post. And like Williams or the keeper on the line was like, I, I have no idea where this is going. And if, but if it had gone under the bar, she would have no chance of saving it whatsoever. It was beautiful. And she was almost like wheeling away to celebrate. And I just think there's little moments like that where you see how good a player, you know, Nikankovic can be at Chelsea. And that's what's so exciting watching her. Yeah, and the Canarid nutmeg as well before it. Like that would have been one of our, our goals of the season, I think, if, if that had gone in. Um, 
Yeah, and and obviously Canarid uh, coming in at right wing. I think she's having a really interesting season, and this is kind of a good moment to to kind of take stock around it, Ollie, because when we signed her, not knowing really where Lauren James was with her kind of development. I feel like we saw at the start of the season that right wing role as being up for grabs and it's become very clear that where James was, was top. (laughs) And that's fair enough. Like her performances have deserved that, but I imagine that might've been something quite difficult for Canada to, to come into as well. Right. Because she had offers from Arsenal, like she had other places she could go for a minute. She chose Chelsea and I feel like she would have chosen Chelsea feeling like she could make that right wing position hers and it hasn't quite worked out that way but you know getting the goal today seeing her build those relationships a bit more like I did feel like we saw at points that clearly her and Sam weren't on the same wavelength but her and Elena were a bit more I thought Maren was a great person for her to play with too just because I think Maren is such a generous player to be with because she offers you everything do do you think this game the start the goal can be a bit of a stepping stone for her maybe for the rest of the season oh absolutely it feels like she's broken down a quite a big barrier today I mean you sort of take it for granted that you know you're going to score your first goal you're kind of it's a big move to a big league to a big club you know and you're going to get chances here and she has had chances let's be honest in terms of to score her first goal and a player of her quality you'd expect her to score some of them and that's why Sam laying on a plate for her knowing that she could have scored herself but knowing that Yelena that uh, JRK would score from there and just being able to walk it in and having that relief moment and that lovely moment with the players around her to just say, I'm here, you know, I've scored this goal. This is me now. And you saw that immediate kind of kick on of confidence in the first half. She had lovely moments with Yelena. And as you're saying with Marin underlapping through the middle, like Marin was definitely trying to score her first goal from open play in a very long time today. I've never seen her so close to goal. It was incredible. Even when Jess scored, she was literally in the goal. I was like, what is going on, Warren? <laughs> we get it, you want to score. But that was great. I loved her energy. Um, but in terms of Joanna, it's like, it feels like a really big moment for her. And also, as we were saying in the first half, the link up with Yelena was really nice. She had her moments with the nutmeg before the lovely Elastico chip from Yelena. But also, after she scored... You could see she she was kicking on and trying to beat her player like constantly trying little step overs, going for that you know cross uh, the byline because she could because she felt confident to do it. And we saw little moments as we have done this whole season where she seen she seems to sort of doubt herself one on one, which is so unlike her when you watch her for Sweden and she's just so confident in that regard. So. After the goal, it felt like she broke down that barrier. And one-on-one, she looked much more confident. And that's really pleasing to me. Because as as you said, we've not even spoken about Lauren James. Like, the world-class Lauren James. She didn't see a minute today. 
And Joanna had to step up because this is one of her big chances to show who she is, right? And this is when she scores her goal. It is a great time to score your first goal. Yeah, and I think it was a really, really positive performance from her. Like, not perfect by by any means. And, and obviously against a, an opponent who you would expect her to look good against. But, um, you know, I think we've seen that She's looked great when she's come on as the kind of super sub to maybe stretch play, but hasn't been able to get involved so much. And that wasn't the case in this game at all, especially in the first half when everyone was a bit more on it. But, um, you know, we we spoke a bit about Marin there. Uh, we're going to take another quick ad break now. But when we come back, I think we're going to talk a bit more about the fullbacks because Marin and Jess were, were two of the standouts from tonight. So, Ollie, I feel like I'm in a bit of a alternate universe because in some ways I look at Chelsea and think Chelsea have a fullback problem especially after the Arsenal game and then I watch a game like tonight and I see Marin Mielder and Jess Carter play and I think why does Chelsea have a fullback problem? Yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's it's it's, it is literally that simple right you see how motivated Marin and and Jess Carter were today and just like storming each wing, like there was a there was a moment I think in the second half where Jess tracked back to the corner flag about sixty seventy yards just to show that she could, and then and then muscled uh, striker off the ball and then just took it forward and was like, no no, this is my ball. I don't, like I don't even know why you decided to try and take this off me, and it's just it's the there's just so there's just such an air of competence and confidence when they when they play in those roles because they just know the role right and they can go forward and back and obviously Marin isn't where she was in terms of her prime and her peak and that incredible player we know she has been but she's still got it she's still got the quality in those individual moments this is something I find find bizarre because because I hear you right like we don't know that Marin is the player she was before her injury. But the reason we kind of don't know is because we never see her play. And I feel like all the evidence that I've seen doesn't really suggest to me that there's been any significant drop-off to go from being Chelsea's first choice right back, one of the first names on the team sheet. Okay, you get the knee injury. It took a lot longer for her to come back than I think people expected her to. Didn't have a great summer with Norway, but that seems like a massive clusterfuck anyway. So, like, let's not put that on Marin because neither did Guru, and she's been one of the standouts. We see her come in against Man City, dealing with one of the best wingers, if not the best winger in the league, Lauren Hemp. No problem. And then we never see her again until she's, like, popping up here and there. I just don't get it because I almost wouldn't have a problem if Emma was all in on Eve Perisic. But I don't feel like she is. And I don't feel like she's all in on Eve. And she's not all in on Jess. And she's not all in on Magda. So Marin, it's like just process of elimination that I'm like, surely this is the player who's like not like fucked up for you so far this season. So, what's going on? It's, it is a really tough one. It's it's a very similar situation. To, I feel like 
every time Alcia Abdelina comes on and she seems like a really quality player. Um, and there's kind of a joke about her, like a meme that she's like a Guru clone that we only kind of roll out to rest Guru, <laughs> like when she really needs to be rested. But it's kind of true, right? It's This is the weird part of the rotation. We don't seem to have a settled backline, and yet certain players never seem to be get like get rotated in. So you know, Jess has Jess Carter has a stand up performance, but then it goes you know straight back to Magda because of that kind of leadership role. And then on the right hand side, you know, Neve's had had a couple of issues this season because I still don't think she's a right back because she's not um she never has been <laughs> and then you have Jess who can play there you have Ev who can play there and then she plays a good game but then she gets rotated out and it's like okay <laughs> but yeah it's uh I I do really feel for Marin and I think you touched on it before I think the recovery period really didn't play play to her advantage because I feel like Emma her biggest thing is reliability and availability. It's like, can I rely on you above and beyond what I think I can? It's almost like, will you run through it for me? And that's such something you would tie to Marin for so much of her time here. And I almost feel like she's just been unfairly shunned because of the horror injury she had in the cup final. First and then- competition. Exactly. <laughs> Completely. Cursed cup, not Conti cup. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it is now. <laughs> because we didn't win it, it's cursed. Um, but yeah, it's it. I think it is down to that recovery time and just the fact that when she came back, she was then put in that Norway team and we know she was then played at centre-back, which isn't her best role. And she, she was partnered in a very chaotic team and just basically left to fend for herself. And, you know, that England game, I think Emma was on commentary GC as well. And, like, I think all of that kind of ties into it. And it's maybe an unfair representation. But, yeah, she was great today, Marin, even though she was trying to score a goal every time she went forward. <laughs> I, I think she was lucky that when she went through on goal, it was deflected, because I'm not sure if her shot was going in any way, because she looked, she had that look of when a defender ends up in the penalty area, and they are a bit perturbed. And this isn't anything on Marin, because we know how good she is at striking the ball, but just it's almost like um, when you've got, like, Sick, uh, altitude sickness because you've gone so high up that was her like you could see it like the blood draining out of her face because she was like why am I so close um but equally Jess Carter as well this one makes even less sense I mean does it make less sense mm, part of me thinks it makes less sense because I think defensively she's great sometimes I'm like okay I get it maybe going forward it's not what you want but I just think when we see Chelsea struggle so much defensively even tonight there were points where we struggled defensively and I will say that I think Brighton's downfall this season is that they are they are shit defensively not that they're a bad defensive team like Elizabeth Turland has one of the highest uh xgs per 90 in the whole league like it's totally wild when you look up some of their numbers they're very good at getting to goal scoring situations and that's not their problem at all but listen we're not the team we know this, who's going to keep you a clean sheet and only need to win one nil. So do you think Emma's being a bit, 
I don't know, almost like overly confident by being like, I need fullbacks who go forward more. Because one, Mielda, we know she'll do it. We saw her go and do it tonight. And even Jess Carter, like, it's fine. It's just like you're comparing it to Neve Charles, who's a winger. That's why she's going forward so much so much more no like I, what are the expectations for fullbacks at Chelsea Football Club yeah it almost feels like they're kind of individually set right it almost feels like they completely change game on game and then they're judged differently per game um yeah it's it's a very it's a very complex thing to to watch because every time I've seen Jess Carter play this season she's been good I feel like I've not seen her play a bad game this season. We've not really seen Marin play this season, so I can't really like on the limited sample size. She's been great. Um, it's it's a really tough one because I still feel like that Kadisha Magda Millie three is what plays on Emma's mind the most, and and who she rotates out there almost matters more than who's either side of them right so in order for Magda to stay in the team a fullback has to miss out and it's easy to leave out a Jess Carter or a Marin coming back from injury than it is to leave out your captain who maybe isn't as comfortable as maybe Jess is at left back but she still offers that leadership ability and a lot of games she won't be as tested as you'd expect on that side especially in the WSL so yeah it's it's a tough one I it's I I think in the summer we'll get much more of an indication and maybe in the latter rounds of the Champions League what the kind of priorities are there in terms of what Emma wants as a fullback if it is the priority of of being an attacker then there will be a lot of risks taken there. And yeah, I do wonder what the kind of risk reward is when you when you play a Neva right back. When it in Europe she might she might sparkle there, but in the WSL maybe you just need a kind of, you know, nuts and bolts. This is what I do at right back. I will perform the job. And Marin seems to fit that bill to me. Yeah, I mean it, it is fascinating. And there's obviously quite a few players buzzing around there some of whose futures are more or less clear than than others but uh I want to put you on the spot who do you start against United as a fullback Ooh, (laughs) I would start Jess Carter I really would start Jess Carter I think United's attack is so dependent on like runners out wide and making sure there's service into the middle that I just think we need to be completely and utterly Loctite. I think on the right-hand side, I would take... I would take either Ev or... Or if Marin can do it, why not? I mean, she's already dispatched one Man City one Man City team with arguably even more fearsome attacking talents than Man United. I mean, it's, it is a really tough one. I... I feel like Emma will rotate because she she is <laughs> liable to rotate in these situations. But I do think it would be unfair on the fullbacks that started today based on their performances that that would happen. Because when Neve, when Neve came on, we did look kind of 
less certain out wide um, because it's a different role and, and she's a different profile of player and she has different priorities. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I think that there's going to be a lot of games coming up. Obviously we've got games in hand. We are going to have to rotate, but beating United would be so huge just in terms of momentum and obviously just to beat your near rivals anyway. I feel like I would start Jess Carter and I think it would be unfair to leave out Marin personally. Yeah, I mean, I would be inclined to agree. I do think uh, if Perisette started, I wouldn't be mad. Um, I think she struggled against Arsenal, but I also feel like she wasn't getting a huge amount of support and it's always going to be hard if you on your own are trying to defend against Caitlin Ford and Steph Catley in combo. Um, so it kind of feels hard to like pin that solely on her as opposed to the whole structure of the team. But equally, Marin would probably make me feel more relaxed when it came to like 1v1 defending. Um, it, it's a tricky one. I think, I think that just the thing that's strange is maybe... Sometimes when we see, say, Magda Eriksson starting at left back, which is a role that I don't think she's bad at either. I think I think it's fine. Um, but maybe if she is a player who's moving on, it becomes that thing of being like, well, are you wasting time playing a player when I believe there are fullbacks who are equal quality at least like it's not that I think Magda's bad it's just that in a fullback position specifically I, I don't think Jess Carter's like any worse and there seems like a high likelihood that Jess Carter will be at the club next season and Magda Eriksson won't so to that extent I would I would play the player who's gonna still be here um so yeah I mean it'll be it, it'll be interesting I think it'll be very telling to see to see who starts but I guess kind of following on from that there are also two players who I think it's worth talking about in Khadija Buchanan and Jesse Fleming, who I feel like they both looked quite off the pace tonight. Um, and you kind of pointed out to me that obviously both of them have gone through a tough international break, a tough situation with with their national team, with Canada, obviously. Um, I mean, they've now agreed a kind of deal with the Canadian Federation, but it's all been a massive mess about, you know, Jesse, I mean, very explicitly calling them out around poor government governance, inequity between the men's and the women's team. Do you do you think that's what's going on here? Do you think it's just the remnants of, of the international break? Because for both of them right now, it just really doesn't feel like it's working. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially for Jessie, she was really invested in this. Like she was kind of a public face in terms of the the protest, right? It's like even on socials, like most days in the, over the international break, she was she was pushing it and saying like, look, this is the situation. This is what we're having to fight for, things like that. So there's clearly a lot of energy invested in that. Um, she has struggled for for form or consistent form, at least. I think there's been patches of really great form for her where she's shown the player we know she can be. And then suddenly she's kind of struggling again and clawing, trying to claw back that form we know she has. 
and it's kind of similar situation with Kadisha. I I feel like in the WSL, sometimes she switches off a bit in terms of, I feel like for the bigger games, <clears throat> for like United or a City or an Arsenal, she'll be very happy to like be motivated. And obviously it's a big game and it's, it's, she's like there and direct for it. But for a game like Brighton, it's almost like a, you know, we're, we're, we're turning up with the three points. We're already, we're already going to do that. And I think segueing back from our discussion with Jess Carter and Magda, there might be an opportunity there for Magda to switch in for Kadisha and just to play left back. Like, I don't think that should be out of the question here in terms of performance. Like, I don't think anyone bar Millie in the back line deserves to kind of hold down a spot at all. And that's a problem, right? That I, I mean, that almost actually sums it up. Like, we can go through these players and we can talk about them individually. But the fact that in our back line, goalkeeper included, there is only one player who we would name as nailed on when we're in March... That's that's not just like rotation. That it's not like we don't know who's going to play because we like to rotate around. It's like we've not reached the levels of performances for those players to be able to be like, yeah, she should start. She should start. Exactly, and I, I think we kind of called it out in pre-season, right? It was like when Kadisha signed is this brilliant uh, defender coming in who's going to want to nail down that place, and we have Magda who may or may not be moving on, and there's that kind of tension there. We knew Millie would play pretty much every game as she has, and rightly so, because she's a world-class defender. But there's the kind of rotation issue there. And I think that also plays into the form between those two players, between uh, Kadisha and Magda, and Magda having to play out of position, even though she's played there for Sweden and a long time in her career at left-back. It's still not her preferred position, right? She's still want to play left center back if you literally said like where do you actually want to play obviously to the cameras she'd say like for Chelsea she'd play anywhere right but I think that is there is that tension there and there has been since the beginning of the season I just think with all these games coming up we just need to pick and choose our moments a bit better um and a game against Brighton you know the loss loss aside um in previous seasons it's not going to matter in the longer term, right? But a, but a United, you have to kind of, you know, pick your poison there. You have to double down on one of your players and say, look, this is arguably one of our biggest games of the season, if not the biggest so far. I need you to step up. You are my player here. And, you know, I trust you, Jess Carter, or you, Marin, to step up on you know, on the wings or Ev or whoever. And I think that will be informative for the run-in as well. Like maybe you say in the WSL, this is my starter back back four. And then in Europe, it's slightly different because Leon are going to offer very different threats to what United offer, right? So I think there's an opportunity there to not say, you know, you're cast off now, your Chelsea career is over or whatever. It's more a sense of, I trust you to do a job for me and you're going to do it and you're going to be really important and you're going to take us top of the league. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like if there's 
one thing that's true about Anna Hayes is that she is clearly the most ridiculously talented manager when it comes to convincing players that they are part of a project. Even if we can sit here and be like, it's not really clear to us which players are part of the project. She has got all of these world-class players kind of at her disposal still. And that, that is to her credit. Um, I just kind of want to finish off by, because I feel like we've gone down a bit of a, not like sad rabbit hole, but you know, a bit of a, I don't know, more philosophical rabbit hole. I want to swing back to the game and give a massive shout out to Amy Claypole. It was a bit of a nothing WSL debut, but you know, she'd obviously made an FA Cup debut against uh, Villa last season. This girl scores goals for fun. Like, if you've not seen some of her highlight reels, like, she is, like, <laughs> man playing against boys, obviously with a different gender, but you know that that phrase where, when people will talk about players who are just way too good for the age group they're in? Um, obviously, there's these strange rules in the women's game where you sign professional contracts quite late and blah, 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 but, Ollie, this is, like, a real player for the future, and it's really exciting that... You know, with Erin Cuthbert out with a hamstring strain, which I hope is just a precautionary thing, that, you know, a player like Claypool gets the opportunity. Because also there is potentially more opportunity because she's a nine and we don't have any other of those other than Samka. Exactly. I mean, she's 17, so it'd be completely unfair of me to be like, you know, she needs to start games at Chelsea. But it's also... Let's it's... sell her to Spurs for £200,000. <laughs> Yeah, please don't do that. Um, <laughs> she she is like unreasonably good at scoring goals, and um, <laughs> I I feel like if you fed her the chances we feed our forwards in this team, she would score goals. And I don't think it's unreasonable to ask for more game time off the bench when when you're talking about the sort of talent. You're talking about with with Amy. It'd be the same if like Rihanna Blaze was around the squad as well. Like I'm very invested in us bringing through the amazing talent that we have as well. And Amy is definitely like standout at that level. Like she's clearly too good for the youth for the like youth game. So this is her level now. I feel like she should be part of the squad anyway. And if not, then she has to seek minutes like elsewhere on loan. But while we have her, and Sam clearly needs to be rested, I don't think it's unreasonable to give her minutes. And hopefully we see it normalised for the rest of the season. And then we just associate Amy with coming on and, you know, maybe scoring a goal or two. Yeah, I definitely think she's got the quality and ability to to do it, especially with you know Chelsea's players around her and I, I hope we I hope we see more of her because I think it's been a tough year for academy players you know like Emma's not shy about giving those players minutes and opportunities like I say this isn't Amy's debut like she played for us last season but we got some fucking shit draws in the FA Cup so we didn't get you know that that moment and it's great to see at least that um you know even WSL games that there are places on the bench potentially, even with a very big squad, um, but for players to get a go at it. Uh, so that I think just about wraps us up for today. Let's take a quick look at the table. Um, United are top 14 games played, 35 
points that can all change on Sunday because we are just a point behind them with 13 games played. City in third, 32 points, 14 games played, and Arsenal in fourth, 13 games played, 29 points. They won 2-0 at Liverpool tonight. Uh, Coming up, as we've said, United on Sunday, 12.30 kick off that one. Oh, I'm shitting myself. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is going to be a really scary game. But I still believe. We'll, I mean, they're yet to beat us, right, Ollie? It's not gonna. It's not gonna start this week, is it? No, uh, I really don't like lunchtime kickoffs. But I feel like we're going to be motivated enough to do it. This group always fills me with confidence. And let's be honest, we won pretty, pretty comfortably today in maybe first gear. So we just need to bring the same energy we brought in the first twenty-five and play it out over ninety. And again, we will win 3-1 because that's the only scoreline we'll have this season. The only score we know. I think we are still waiting in 2023 for Graham Potter and Emma Hayes to win on the same weekend. But I've got a feeling this weekend is it. Uh, After United, we've got Reading away in the FA Cup on the 19th of March. Then we're off to Lyon. City away on the 26th and then at home to Leon on the 30th. If you haven't got your tickets yet for Stamford Bridge, do go and get them. Ollie, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, Blue Royalty After Dark is always great fun with you. Always. Wouldn't have it any other way. All right, Chelsea fans, we will be back on Sunday. Until then, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>